0: All right, folks, you're inside the Mississippi Salute Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Coleman, Director of Communications for Mississippi Veterans Affairs. And um, I got a special one today, not just for you, but for me. Um, I am at the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency, the State Emergency Operations Center. And it's a special place for me uh, because it's where I used to work. It's where I used to work. It's where I got my start in state government. Uh, But not only that, the person that I'm interviewing today um, is quite literally um, the gentleman who gave me a, a start in this business of government, empowered me uh, to not only believe in myself, but gave me the freedom to explore and grow in this business of public affairs. And I'm, I'm just just—I'm excited to be here with him. His name is Stephen McCraney. He's the executive director of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. I call him Mac. He's going to tell you to call him Mac as well. Uh, Mac, yeah. thank you so much for joining us, man, on the Mississippi Salute Podcast.
1: Yeah, nobody can see me smiling, man. It, uh, it, it's been an honor to serve with you. Yeah. Yeah. In public service uh, and uh, just giving it what we've got and uh, can't thank you enough for what you do.
0: This is awesome. This is awesome. Let, let me give you all a little bit of a background on, on Mac. Uh, Stephen McCraney, retired lieutenant colonel, was appointed as the executive director of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency by Governor Tate Reeves on January 28th, 2021. But before that, even before that, he was here as deputy. That's when I met him. Uh, that was back in 2016 when I came here. Um, and, and he's been rolling ever since. Um, and He's seen just about everything everything you can see when it comes to disasters both natural and man made we're going to let him yep. expound upon that when we get to the to the mima side of his life but when i tell you katrina oil spill water crisis you name it, anything and everything. See 130 dropping out of the sky? Anything and everything. Mac has seen it, done it, got the T-shirt, um, and is therefore an expert in it. Um, his extensive experience in responding to natural and mad-made disasters in Mississippi while serving 28 years, 28 years with our Mississippi Army and Air National Guard. I told you he's responded to some of everything. Um, we're going to get into that here in a little bit. Uh, Mac was also the former commander of the 47th Civil Support Team, Weapons of mass destruction. That's another part that, again, um, we're going to harp on a little bit more because I used to love the way he'd tell the stories of, of things they would do, how they would train. It's, it's pretty cool. He's been everywhere, too. Uh, local, you know, uh, uh, county, state, you name it. Uh, he, he's done it all. I want to give you a little bit of where he's been. Um, community. Corrections Associate Director for Probation and Parole for MDOC. Certified police officer who's worked in higher education, city, and state law enforcement positions. Uh, He brings 38 years of of experience from the criminal justice system. Mississippi Army and Air National Guard, once again, first responder and disaster response. Has a bachelor and a master's in Social Justice and Administration of Justice from Mississippi College. Um, That's a lot, but trust me. Almost (laughs) sounds like I can't keep a job, right? (laughs) Know what it means that you've been places and seen things. Um, so we've, we've gotten all of that out of the way. What I want you to do is, is just give folks an idea, first and foremost, of where you're from. I know where you're from. I know um, where you come from. But I think it's always important for people to, to know where you've been so they can understand why you, you know, committed to military right. service and why you're here today. So kind of give folks an idea where you grew up.
1: Yeah, it's uh, born at uh, St. Dominic's Hospital, Jackson, Mississippi uh live right off Briarwood Drive went to McClure I mean uh a uh, uh, little little school there and I also went to Brown Elementary yeah. and then dad decided that he had uh an older daughter that was thinking about dating and uh two young boys that needed uh direction so he bought 100 <laughs> acres and my 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 grandfather um george atwood he was a sharecropper yeah uh, my mom was a uh, pick cotton with him in the fields up and she was born in midnight mississippi come on now i, I always tell people that my my mom was born in midnight i wasn't born in midnight you have and to be so, from mississippi by the way to know what midnight mississippi uh, is the, the the sign is on both sides of the pole <laughs> and so it's not that big but uh it, my the grandfather just passed on so many things to me and my brother and 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 uh work two young men like they needed to be worked yeah so grew up in the metropolis of edwards mississippi that's uh kind of where the the homestead was off highway 22 greens uh, uh hill grocery yeah and uh there's a sign there that says if you can't stop honk and wave <laughs> so that i mean that that is the the small country uh 13 people it in is. my graduating class i tell everybody i Graduating the top 10. Yeah, it was, absolutely. It was number 10 out of 13, I think. So it's uh, uh, it definitely a small town atmosphere. And uh, just you were taught to get it done on the farm. Yeah. And uh, you make it happen.
0: At what point for you, Mac, did it become an idea for you um, to take a step towards military service? Well, that's something that you always wanted. I know we've talked that that military history runs in your family. But for you personally, what was that initiative for you to say? I think this is something that I I want to do and need to do. You know, it's it's I, I don't know
1: how many other people have this. Uh, a dream. I got a scholarship at uh, Mississippi College. Played football and baseball. A uh, young, young man. My father passed away my senior year, yeah. uh, about two days before I graduated. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I, but I was able to tell him that I got this scholarship, and he said, "Well, it's done. You're the last kid. You're having opportunity to go to school." And, and he passed away from cancer. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, it, he he was a rudder. And and when I got to college, uh, I thought it was somebody. Went out there as a freshman with a bunch of seniors who were grown men, and Hmm. uh, it was a different ball game. But played baseball, played football uh, for a year, but just something was missing. Uh, The rudder was definitely missing in my life. I wasn't the best student. I majored in campusology. Uh, which I knew every place to be <laughs> at the at the wrong time. Oh, but uh, man. So it, it my brother had gone into the service uh, uh, soon. Uh, I was still in high school, so I, I shined his boots for him, and and I made uh, uh, a casting for his uh, uh, gear when it went into a duffel bag to make yeah. it perfectly square when he went into Officer Candidate School. And I just said, man, I got to go. I got I, I need some guidance in my life, best, best thing I ever did. Yeah. Um, I needed a compass and I, I needed structure and I needed some folks to teach me how to become a man. Cause I was not, yeah. I, mean, I was a very, very young, young dude at the time. And so, um, my brother said, well, I know the unit you're going into. I'm like, okay, I trust you. I should not have trusted my brother. <laughs> uh, my brother signed me up. Uh, I went and took all the tests and they signed me up and I ended up joining the, uh, uh, 2nd Battalion, 20 Special Forces Group, and uh, jumping out of airplanes. I didn't know I was going to have to jump out of
0: airplanes. Perfectly he, good airplanes. Yeah,
1: he just, he just, but but he had a TAC officer who was a general, General Brown, in the Mississippi National Guard. And actually, he was Captain Brown when I was his commo sergeant back in the day. Yeah. But he instructed him, and he loved the way he looked and the way he carried himself. And, and the Airborne guys got to wear different uniforms than other people, so they That's were right. a little bit sharp. That's had, right. That's had, right. Had berets, so he was like, yeah, you're going there. So when I came back home from uh, uh, the majority of my training, my brother and I had a conversation in the front yard, and he lost. Yeah. That day, because uh, I was like, "You put me through H.E. double toothpick, buddy." I, he, <laughs> he's just laughing. He's laughing about it. <laughs> so that—that's how it started. And then to be trained by an era of military guys and special operations and the things that we were doing—they were all Vietnam vets. Yeah, I mean, they were all they—they they were yeah. the stuff. And so those were my instructors that had just. Fresh out, been back, and th- they just loved it. Mm. And uh, the 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 due diligence, the the, the perseverance they like never take no for an answer. Figured out private. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went in as private E one, and then you alluded to the fact that I actually made it to lieutenant colonel yeah. uh, later on. But but that th- that story in itself is is I went to officer candidate school because a uh, colonel told me to go. Yeah, he said you're going down here and starting. Show up next weekend, what you doing next weekend? I said, Nothing. I'm, I'm not, I'll, I'll, I'll do another drill weekend. Hmm. So, ended up going to officer candidate school, and then boom, there it is, second lieutenant. And uh, I was always in law enforcement and first responder type stuff. But, yeah. but it, 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 as I went through the military, is a wonderful thing basic training, advanced training, then perfectly good airplane you alluded to it just That's right. Jump, jump, That's right. jump right out of it and, and go and then uh, Fort Bragg uh, Special Forces School to go there to go through some of the training that I had uh, at, at that moment it just you were trained at every level you, how you need to be a squad leader when I started basic training I was one of the tallest guys so they made me a squad leader Yeah, it was my first day in basic training too I mean everybody else but I was the sure. tallest so sure. they, third squad third platoon right there but then they sent me to a little school during basic training to teach me what to do, hmm. to start taking care of seven people. That's right. Be responsible for everything they do and what they don't do. Okay. Uh, and and I learned early on, take give them credit for what they do and then take the pain of what they yeah. don't do and, yeah. and go back and fix it. Uh, Sergeant Casanova, never forget him. Uh, he'd get mad at me and he talked to me in Spanish. I was from Edwards, Mississippi. I did not know Spanish right, right. at all. Uh, so— uh, if you if you fast forward five years later, I'm coming off of a field operation in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, Camp McCall. And I see this short, dumpy, Mexican-looking guy. Yeah. And then I heard the voice. It was Sergeant Casanova. Mm-hmm. And he was enrolling in Special Operations wow. School. Wow. Wow. And uh, you had, when you're on active duty, you had to compete to get in. Uh, I enlisted straight in as communications uh, operator, sent Morse code. Yeah. Uh, so that's how I cut my teeth. But but now I know why he was so mean to me in basic, because he read my, my portfolio. He knew where I was going, mm-hmm. somewhere he'd been trying to get mm-hmm. to for years. Uh, and constantly taking assessment tests, assessment tests. And I had the, the a rep 63 program. I went straight through right. everything. And so now I know why I did so many pushups for him. And he was getting me in such great shape. That's right. Uh, because he knew what it was going to take when I got there. I had no idea. I was 19 years old. I had no idea what was coming at me. But he did. So uh, there was a blessing that somebody was just so rough on me at yeah. that at, at that
0: point. The the thing that I always um, make sure that I highlight with with veterans, with anyone who has served, if you've been deployed anywhere, um, we always talk about the, the the negative side of war, the negative side of deployments. But I think we we should always highlight the positive, the places that you've been, the things that yeah. you've been able to see, places that. Ray can only read about, honestly, right? right? Um, You have seen these places with your own eyes, different cultures, different countries, different regions, different climates. Um, For you, what are some of those memories that stand out from your deployments? You know, when I was uh, uh, transitioning from being a a, a sergeant and
1: finished uh, officer candidate school, brand new. As a matter of fact, the man that swore me in, Colonel Reed, he swore me in as a private then also he transferred later on, and he was the commandant at the officer candidate school. He swore me in as a second lieutenant. How about that? So he got <laughs> me twice. And, and 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 so you just, those types of influences, I, I was, been a second lieutenant for about a year and a half, and I was not enjoying become, being an officer at all. Yeah. And my enlistment time was up. Mm. It was kind of a weird deal. And I just said, peace, I'm out. I'm leaving. So I left, and I was doing a uh, police work uh, for a city, city of Raymond. And uh, my wife and I decided to have our second child. And then my old unit, the 2nd and 20th, gets deployed. They're going across the pond. And I got a call from the commander at that time, uh, Colonel Champion. He said, hey, man, I need you. I need you to come back in and run the communications deck for the entire battalion. And I had to tell him, I said, you're going to have to ask my wife. So I handed her the phone. Yeah. And I said, she says, Yes. I'll come, but dude, we're, we're about to have our second child, and wow. we decided to do this. And uh, she says, yes, I'm in. I'll, I'll go sign up tomorrow. Well, okay. she said, no. She said, you can have him when you get back after we have our second yeah. child. Yeah. And lo and behold, they were deploying back uh, stateside uh, to go through a, uh, one of the uh, big uh, evaluations. Uh, but they were coming back, and he called, and he says, hey, I'm, we're headed back and I don't have a communications guy kind of fired him. He's gone. I need you to run battalion communications for the whole battalion again. And, uh, I looked at my wife, she goes, you can go now. <laughs> so, and then, then, so I met up with all the guys I had trained with for so long and, and missed them when they, they deployed without me. It was almost, um, like, like, like I lost my leg, you know, because yeah. I knew I needed to be there. But then again, I had made a promise to my wife that, that I'm, I'm going to do this with you as a family. Right. Uh, so did that, came back and then I served with him a total of 17 years uh, at that battalion. And then I was kind of ranking out. I was a captain and I needed a major slot where well, there weren't any in that unit. So I, I went to the Air Force. Yeah. Uh, to a, what they call a TAUSI unit. It's, uh, we go in and set up uh, runways uh, and also do cargo missions. Uh, if, if the military takes over a base and we go in and we'll set it up. Gotcha. We'll get everything running. Yeah. And uh, did that for a while. And then they said, hey, you want to do some more duty? And I'm like, yeah. So we, I ended up getting deployed to South America uh, two or three times uh, doing surveys of airports. Yeah. So we could actually confirmed that you could land one of the big C five wow. aircraft wow. with all the weight on it. Yeah, and what we found out, you know, a lot a lot of those airports down there were helicopter based, and the concrete just wasn't going to be thick enough. Imagine we would have landed a C one thirty and it just squatted. Yeah. and and so that was we'd go take bore samples. We would go measure tarmacs, and I, I can remember in one country uh, there was an election about to go on as a female presidential mm-hmm. uh, candidate. And she got kidnapped. And you're talking about one Mississippi guy and about uh, 12 Texas guys, all the same type of units. Air Force, is, they'll go grab you as an individual. Sure. I was qualified to do something. So I said, hey, you want to go down there? I said, sure, let's go. And so we're in country, um, and uh, she gets kidnapped. And uh, they fly her plane, land it on a highway, and uh, shoot up fuselages and whatnot. And, of course, we're, all, we're in the area. At that time, we're getting calls. Hey, man, you guys want to get out? I said, no, we're head head down. We're, we're, we got we got work to do, yeah. and uh, uh, this went on for a couple of days. And one of the generals we had spoken to a couple of days, he got fired uh, down there because of, of that country, because it happened on his watch, yeah. and they blew up a bridge on his watch, and he should have uh, taken better care of that. So it's a. Uh, th- they called us back again over and over and said, "Look, you guys need to get out. You're just National Guard." I'm like, "Negative, negative. I got seven more airports to do. and We're going to do them. Yeah, we're, you're not. You're going to rotate me out and then try to rotate somebody in. This is not what's going to happen." And the whole team was like, "Heck no, man. We got this. We're yeah. we're, we're we're on." So just, to, but to be able to travel and see those countries and where they are and and uh, uh, beautiful, 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 and 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 the people there needed so much yeah and uh you go in there and you do your small part and you know that later on it'll turn into something big that's right uh I came back and then i took a and a job with uh a, the same unit but i went up to scott air force base so i worked on the contingency operations uh desk i thought i was smart i took the night shift well the war was going on during the daytime across the pond. And, of course, when a C-130 broke, a C-5 broke, it didn't matter what kind of aircraft, F-16, I was in the Air Force at that time. Mm-hmm. The calls came into that desk. We had sat phones. We had everything that we needed. And we're like, okay, you're broke. So I I got to get you out of that country. Yeah. And so we, we would I would holler, and somebody would jump up from a desk. I was like, C-130 guys, and they would, like little gophers, they'd come up behind their cubicles. And we would coordinate sending parts by fighter jet, by whatever means necessary, Got a call one day and said, hey, look, we, we got a C-5. We're here in Soviet Union, and we can't figure out how to get this missile apart. I said, what do you mean they got a missile you're trying to take apart? And so the Soviets giving one to America for our museums, yeah. and we they had taken something over. And I'm like, I, I got to have some—you got the manual? And they're like, yeah. We can't read it. Well, I can't either, but send it to me. And so yeah. somehow, some way— so. Just figuring out how to get that back, yeah. uh, but just the the emergency operations desk looks exactly like the state emergency operations center at NEMA. Yeah. It yeah, it gives yeah. me chills when I when I walk in every day because I cut my teeth doing that. Just give me give me bad stuff. That's yeah. what I got every day. And nobody called me for anything good. It was always bad. Yeah. Uh, so learning how to figure that out. Somebody two continents away but still figuring out how to get them the things that they need to get them back. That's right. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> and, and it comes full circle because of what you do every day. Now we're hanging out with Stephen McCraney, AKA Mac, the executive director of the Mississippi emergency management agency here on the Mississippi salute podcast. Um, civil support team weapons of mass destruction. Yep. Um, before I, before I came to MEMA, I didn't even know that existed. I'll just be honest. Um, and so to hear you tell those stories about how that unit works, um, it's pretty impressive, man. It's pretty impressive. And, 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 I, and I know um, there's a lot that goes into it. I kind of want you to talk people through that right. The civil support team weapons of mass destruction. Um, how how does that unit work? Yeah, it's a
1: it's it's a small unit, almost like the special forces teams. Um a twenty two man unit, full time, active duty, but you're assigned to your state. Mm-hmm. So um I was actually at Scott Air Force Base working that contingency operations desk and one of the um young airmen, um sergeants called me from the uh, the air wing and said, Hey, um, when are you coming back home? I'm like, Well, I'm on thirty day rotation. I'm on thirty days, off thirty days, iron thirty, I'm and- to, I'll be home probably in about two weeks. She goes, well, I'm going to send you something. You need to apply for this job. You've done this stuff. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's a full-time active duty job right here, blah, blah, blah. And so send it to me. So I'm reading it. Civil support teams, weapons of mass destruction. Okay. Gas mass. Okay. Air breathing. Okay. done. Fire, okay. Yeah, I've kind of done a lot of that stuff. So uh, fit out the application, got all my stuff, and uh, sent it in, and I drove home uh, probably about uh, got off shift at seven and drove home that day, interviewed for the job, drove back to get on a night shift uh, north of Memphis and uh, got the notice about two weeks later that I got the job yeah. as a deputy director yeah. or deputy commander of that unit. So it's uh, uh, the, the training we had to go through. Uh, was uh, just like the police academy, just like uh, the coming a volunteer firefighter next to the fire yeah. uh, academy next door. I listen to those young men over there running early in the morning, and I just laugh at them, okay, I know what you 're going through <laughs> so but but to, to to assemble out of out of all across the army and and Air Force, it was a joint unit uh, this team for the first time. Uh the the training that we had to go to. I had, had a young captain in there and he was on training uh trying to lay out all right, twenty two people are going to, to twenty two different job specialty trainings mm-hmm. and we're all gotta meet back together within about fourteen months and then we gotta train together and then we've gotta certify as a team, go through an unknown event. And that's uh uh a lot of times you go into military uh, your, your, your test phase is what you do every day, right? Well, In the weapons of mass destruction team, it's an unknown chemical, unknown explosion. You don't know what it is, where it's going, how fast, but you have to respond to it. And you have to support the local yeah. emergency operations folks, whether it's fire, police, uh, whoever. And you're the one that's got to figure out the unknown. And, uh, that's, a. That's a tougher test. That's different. That's that, different for def- sure. De- definitely didn't. So we we were scheduled to certify and go through our certification lanes. We were already trained. Everybody was good. We were good at our jobs. Yeah. The week Katrina hit. Well, you can imagine we did not do certification.
0: <laughs> I would imagine not.
1: But uh, Colonel Ditto, and I was the, the deputy director at the time, and our, our deputy commander, uh, we got called to go to the coast because we were Mississippi National Guardsmen, yeah. and uh, we did. And uh, we got a few calls out of Washington. that said, hey, what, what are you guys doing? You're not even certified. What are y'all doing down there? It's not a weapons mass destruction event. And I said, man, I, y'all just need, I need an email. I can send y'all some pictures. Yeah. And um, I told General Brown, time. I said, I think we're fixing to get yanked out of here. He goes, no, you belong to Mississippi National Guard. You don't belong to them. You're going to work for us. And uh, we got a call a few minutes later and um, said, what do you need? Uh, The deep voice on the phone said, son, what do you need down there? I'm like, okay, this is what we need. So we set up our communications element, and we asked for about seven more teams, and we put them in counties, we put them with FEMA. We put them because nobody could talk to anybody. Right? No communications at all. We were run, we were driving vehicles back and forth to communications at the time. So we set up the hub and spoke, which which was um, been studied for a couple of while um, times. How, how how did we do that? How, how did the little boys from Mississippi figure out how to do this? Yeah. But well, we figured it out. It just comes goes back to training. Figure it That's out, right. and uh, That's right. so we put up those trains um, uh, communications hubs. And something I've done all my life was communications. You know how important is it, and then behind that, you look at what Mississippi's done with the Miss Wind um, system that we have. Absolutely, uh, that, that came to help us even further and further. So it's a, uh, um, yeah, just. Doing things for the first time. There was there, there was no there was no street signs down there. You, everything was gone down
0: on the coast. So the guys were like, let's let's make something better. Katrina to me, um and, and maybe it's different for you, so correct me if I'm wrong. Katrina to me in in the story of Stephen McCraney is such a pivotal point. Um anybody who knows a little bit about Mima always associates Mema with Hurricane Katrina. Right. Well, in that moment of Hurricane Katrina, Stephen McCraney is not thinking about one day I'm going to be the executive director of MEMA. No, right. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> not, not at um, all. No. But here we are once again, sitting inside the state emergency operations center. And, and here you are, leader of this agency. Um, it's truly a full circle moment. Uh, but, but it goes back to what you said, Mac. Every moment that you've done in military service and transitioning to that to that civilian service prepared you for this moment. Your time here with the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency, um, you have seen it all. <laughs> I was about to say the things you have seen, but yeah. I'll just say you have seen it all. Um, your service here, um, if you could summarize it, which is almost impossible, how how can you summarize the journey that you've had here at the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency?
1: You know, I got a call from uh, Colonel Smithson uh, at the time. He was at the Mississippi National Guard. He, he he and I worked so very close together at Katrina, actually. Yeah. Uh, funny story. I was sent to work for Colonel Smithson, Lieutenant Colonel at the time. Yeah. And um, I said, well, dude, I got more work to do here. It was like 1.30 in the morning, but you need to go over and help him. So I went over there to help him and told some guy outside while we were smoking cigarette early in the morning. was like, yeah, I'm here to help some guy named Smithson. And I'm like, can't do his job, so I'm gonna have to do it for him. I was a major, <laughs> lieutenant colonel, and, and he lit a cigarette, and I saw the name tag. I said, "Oh my gosh, I'm fired. I'm, yeah. I'm going home." And I said, "Let's just finish our time, coffee." And right. if you would need to send me back, I'll, I'll go. He said, "Well, if you're half as good as I say, no, I need you." Yeah, and and that's how we first met. And it was by fire. Yeah. I mean, it, we were under the gun for a lot of stuff going on down there. And then you, you circle back. I was a, I retired uh, uh, out from the Air Guard 28-year service, and I was at Mississippi College, my alma mater, teaching Homeland Security, developed a program from nothing with my mentor, uh, Dr. Porter. Yep. And uh, it, he, he called me at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday and said, I, I need to ask you a question. I, I, I think I'm fixing to get appointed as the director of MEMA. And I need to know. I'm gonna need a chief staff. Will you, you go with me? Yeah. I'm like, you're doing what? I mean, it's four in the afternoon. I'm in academia. You know, you can just imagine. Just imagine a you're building. Trying to process
0: everything. Big yeah.
1: wooden windows. I'm looking over the. I mean, and, and I said, you're do- tell me again what you're doing. You say what now? And, and um, I said, um, you going to fix it. or are you going to maintain it? Mm. And he said, we're gonna fix it. I said, I'm in. Yeah, you need to ask your wife I said as long as I got a job I think she'll be pretty good about it but uh, no I'm gonna call her right now and tell her what I'm about to do if you're gonna get the job so that's that's actually how I showed up in yeah February the 1st 2016 never forget it I walk in the building I don't have a name tag or anything and up front I tell them like hey I'm here I'm Steve McCraney I'm new employee who I'm like Steve McCraney, new employee. And Smithson's here. He's the executive director. He told me to report today. And, uh, okay, so they let me in the room, and, and I'll be doggone. We're in our first meeting, 815, uh, storm hits North Mississippi, and tornadoes wow. start ripping it up. Wow. Day one. I'm like, really? It, uh, oh Okay, and so I think the whole staff uh, that day had amnesia because when they announced it and we we're going through it, they all looked down at the end of the table and said, "Well, what are y'all going to do about it?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's going to be like that." Yeah. You know, yeah. My first day, yeah. and so um, going through that, um, all the preparation up to that point, the military training that I had. They trained me as a private to be a leader over other privates. They trained me as a corporal to be a leader over others. They trained me as a sergeant, again, how to lead others, as a second lieutenant, and then as a captain another school trained me, and then my senior service school. So you look at that, that was about six or seven times that I went through training to learn how to dismantle things and put them back together better and to use the personnel and the things you had. Yeah. On the table, nowhere yeah. else, and all that came into effect that day.
0: Listen, I I can't tell you even as I now watch from the outside looking in, um, whether it be I'm sitting in the middle of the pandemic and Easter tornadoes break out, historical flooding that same year yeah. in in our capital city here in Jackson, up and down the Pearl River. Um, when I think about some of the disasters you and I kind of kind of waded through. Um, Well, I think you were on duty about five days, and we sent you to the uh,
1: first uh, uh, mine collapse in the state of Mississippi in Coppola County. And I I told you, it's going to be all right, Ray. I'll be down there, too. And I mean, you were down there on your own. I think you weren't here but like three or four days.
0: They they told me, they told me, um, I transitioned out of television, and they told me, oh, man, you'll love the schedule. If nothing Mm -hmm. else, you'll enjoy the schedule of not having to— the, you yeah. know, crazy times after five o'clock. I had to do anything I could
1: to get you on the board, man. It was, a, it was it was a white lie. It wasn't, it wasn't a full out one, but, but, but you did a great job. We went down there and relieved the pain from the people. Yes. And, and uh, because when you start a disaster, you never want to leave it till you're done with it. That's right. And uh, here I am at Mima now still working on Katrina projects. Come on, man. I got, I got one city down there that we're trying to finish up with. Yeah. And it's almost like full circle. But
0: uh, that's the part, though, Mac, that people don't realize that this agency does. They will they will see the disaster. Yes. Right. They'll see it. And they know that MIMA plays a part in it, a huge role in it. But they don't understand that long after said disaster has ended it, it has not ended here it's actually no. it's actually just started for the agency absolutely once the disaster ends
1: you know it's, a, it's 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 a long haul and and I didn't really understand that until I got here and then started studying and, and then looking at the process I mean if you drive down a road in Biloxi we built it yeah. Uh, we, we were able to get the funding for it and the engineers uh, to be able to look at that water systems. I mean, we're, right. we're still doing bypasses on some of the sewer systems down there. We're finishing up. We're getting very, very, very close. But then we have 21 federally declared disasters open right now. I mean, we are, I think God's actually preparing Mississippi to be here when nobody else is. That's yes, right. Because we right. are, we are real good at breaking it down. Got some great people at the, at the agency as, as, as you well know. Yeah that uh, empower them to do their jobs, train them, support them, teach them. Send them. But but we've got a lot of firsts in Mississippi. I mean, you got, you got Katrina. It was one of the biggest. Uh, you, you turn around and get an oil spill. I worked that when I was still with the That's weapons of right. mass destruction right. team and was assisting uh, two other state agencies as their operations cell because not everybody has an operations cell like the mm-hmm. military does. Uh, so we were able to do that, um, and I never thought I'd put infantry guys on boats out in uh, the Gulf and Gulf, measure yeah. the oil they were picking up every day. Wow. I mean, the things that we did. So, uh, and then you have uh, C-130 drops out of the sky, uh, a lot of ammunition, a lot of stuff. We, we, we found 98% of everything that fell, uh, but there was one morning. I was driving from my house in Pocahontas at the time, going back up to Lafleur County mm-hmm. and uh, driving in early. And here goes a crop duster over my head. I'm like, really? I, I just shut off of the airspace, you know, two weeks ago. No, no. Like, really? Then I see drones flying. Then I see a helicopter flying and whatnot. But as I'm driving in, we were clearing all the fields. I mean, we were finding ammunitions. Yeah. I mean, nobody's tested a hand grenade falling from 19,000 feet Absolutely. hitting the ground and it being safe. Yeah. I'm like, N- no, we're, we're blowing that up yeah. right right there in the field. So I'm driving in and I see garbage bags on the side of the highway. And and it just hits me. Oh, my God. I've cleared all the fields. I've cleared all the stuff. I did not clear the right away of the four-lane double highway highway. And those bags meant yeah. bush, bush hogs coming in yep. the next day or two. And I'm like, I was just terrified. Yeah. And, and so I started calling in. Calling, I said, shut everything down. Safety stand down. Shut everything. And we took us about three or four hours to, to really find out who the contractor, subcontractor, subcontractor was uh, going through the Department of, of Transportation. Great guys. Yeah. They actually helped me haul that C-130 out of the field and get it across bridges so we didn't collapse bridges. Right. We were trying to recreate and put that thing back together. Right so the little things I know. everybody sees the big bus it's that scooter it's that little thing yeah. that, that gets you and it's the one thing I was driving up and down the highway every day cleared all this property real proud of what we did with the Marines and everybody else but I mean it's one thing and that was the right of way and we were able to get it and stop it and yeah. we found some munitions and stuff out there that yeah. they would have hit and it would have been a bad day for that, wow. one, that one guy or the car that was passing them when it happened so uh, I've always, now um, when I look at it, i I go to the fourth order effect. What is my decision going to do? That's the second. What is that decision going to make the third and then the fourth. if I can get it to the fourth order effect, I'm usually okay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes not, but, uh, sometimes you got to make it one, that one and go. Yeah. And, and when, when, you're, when you're under the gun, so to speak, but, um, we, we Flooding that uh, stayed in the state for six months. Nobody else has had that. We're we've got people that uh, I know the roads are torn up up under it, and so does FEMA, but we can't confirm it. So we're having to wait and wait and wait. So it just uh, I'm the COVID hit the things we had to do there. Oh, um, it, it the I'm I don't want any new type of disasters anymore. <laughs> I, it's just, uh, but but that's what the military really trained me for was to you're going to go places and do things that hadn't been done. And while you're there, things are going to happen. You're going to have to figure it out. And uh, I'm just thankful for every sergeant, every leader. Um, The Colonel Reed who told me, go down here. You need to go to school. You got 30 college hours. And I didn't know I was going to officer candidate school. I had no idea. And so, but you did what you were told back then. You 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 understood that that person has already been through a lot, mm-hmm. and they understand. So, they tell you to go do something; you do it. If they were in leadership, and and uh, uh, I'm just I'm just thankful to be able to Katrina. I was a citizen soldier, and I was able to help my own state and my own uh, fellow citizens. Yes, that is the greatest thing I've ever been able to do, is to help them. Yeah at that time. And now I get to do it, uh, even more. And hopefully now we're getting the point that we're preparing everybody better. Um, so the pain is not, uh, um, as, as severe and, and the re- recovery time is, is shorter. That's, that's, that is the goal, yeah. uh, to try to get them. We don't make them whole, but we may get them back to normal as quick as we can. So sure. my, my military career, I fell into it cause I didn't want to really, study that much in college. I wanted to uh, be a major in campusology. I'm very good at that. I made yeah. straight A's. But to go in and do that, and my brother put me in a unit that I had no idea. So I met a guy, they met a guy, and and I've, I always like to tell people I haven't applied for too many jobs before. I was... Straight out of the military, mm-hmm. working at uh, J.L. Jones, uh, right down the road from here, where they used to play, uh, have a flea market and play music on the weekends. So I was a right. security guard, 7 at night, 7 in the morning. And so, but I also was taking classes at Hines Community College after I'd come back. Yeah. And the police chief chased me down. I was in my security uniform. I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm in trouble. I was stupid back then. I bought a motorcycle, not a truck I could drive. and It had been raining. But I thought I was cool on that motorcycle. Yeah. No I, doubt. And everybody else was like, dummy. Yeah. So he chased me down and I was like, I'm in trouble. You know, didn't have a weapon or anything. But he says, You've been in the military? And I'm like, Yes, sir. And he said, How old are you? And I'm like, 22. He said, You want a job? And I'm like, Doing what? And he said, Being a police officer here. And I'm like, Yeah, well, I mean, I, I could, I, I could, we'll pay for your education. I'm in. I'll take it. And, and so, the next police job was like, Hey, I want you to come do for me what you're doing for them. So I just kind of kept doing that. Mm-hmm. And then Smithson called me, I end up here and blah, blah, blah. We, we doing the COVID, uh, time, uh, Greg Michelle, uh, decided that he was going to uh, move on to his next career. Yeah. And, uh, we're sitting outside and, uh, getting ready to go in the briefing room and, uh, I'd already briefed a few times before when he had to be out of town yeah. and the governor says, uh, Hey, but by the way, uh, Greg's retiring and you're the guy, you got the job. And I'm like, okay. He said, I'm going to announce it today. So he's going to go first <laughs> and you're going to go second. And it was one of those times where I, when I was a deputy, I got to work with the Lieutenant governor at that time mm-hmm. and explained to him, hey, so I said, the sun's shining outside. This is a blue sky day. That's right. Let me tell you, what we're all still doing. And I talked about Katrina and I talked about Smithville, I talked about other places. And she said, y'all still doing all that? I'm like, yes, sir. He goes, okay. And then uh, the rest is history. You know, yeah. the governor sworn in. I think he had eight uh, federally declared disasters in his first year. And um, he has weathered the storm. And um, he had faith in me. Yeah. Seen what I'd done. And um, you know, I had a guy that always tells me that, past performance is indicative of future performance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I got the opportunity to lead a great agency with, no with some super, uh, employees that are just, they're ready to go do great things. Yeah. Just
0: yeah. got to turn them loose. For sure. For and, sure. Um, uh, so here I am. That's it. Listen, my, my last question for you is, um, it, it it's always kind of open ended, but I think it's appropriate, especially with this week. Uh, we're going to celebrate veterans. They were recording this, this podcast interview, um, on veterans week. And so I always ask our guests and there's no wrong answer because it's, it's, it's your answer. How do we honor America's heroes? You're a veteran yourself. Um, I, we've talked about the, the countless veterans that I've had a chance to engage with in our veterans homes and just out, you know, in everyday life. Um, you sacrifice so much, the men and women of this, of this great nation give up their, their family life, their everyday life. Go to foreign lands, defend our freedoms. What's a good way for us to honor a veteran, not just on November eleventh, but just every day?
1: You know, the, somebody asked me that this question earlier today when I was voting and, and we just got talking, uh and he said, Thank you for your service. I said, Well, thank you. And and we got talking a little bit deeper. He had served and uh, I said, Yeah, all I want is people to do just what they're doing. Vote. Yeah. Please vote because there are people in harm's way. I've been that guy in the jungle in South America uh, close to Christmas and wondering who in the world knows I'm here. Very few people yeah. knew I was there. But but vote. That's the biggest thing you can do is make, a, make your choice. Yeah. To choose your leaders. And at that point, I want you to have as much – fun and be as prosperous as you can in this great united states because we serve to give you that opportunity you can disagree with me yeah yeah i I don't i don't mind that i love a disagreement i mean i i might learn something if i will shut up and listen a little (laughs) bit Uh, that has happened to me a bunch (laughs) in my career son if you'll slow down and listen you'll you'll learn something here so so it, it does not bother me that somebody might be a different political affiliation or belong to a different organization. Yeah. By God, just do what America, the United States of America was built for. Yeah. Freedom. That's right. Freedom of choice. Freedom of speech. We can have different opinions, but I guarantee you, you and I talked about it, alluded to it earlier. Mm -hmm. When you're in that foxhole with a guy, we all believe in – God. That's right and and there's a common focus we're all going but we're all coming home mm. so there's a common mission there that I as a, as, as a military um, person uh, I, I think I, I still am today it just I just wear civilian clothes right. I, I'm, right. I'm kind of uh, that way but just take care of your family do what's right by society lead wherever you're if you're the if you're that baseball coach that coached me in Little League. That was a job. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've coached um, um, sports. I think that I think they tell me, "Well, we'll start another team if you'll coach uh, that, you, and your kids can get on it." I'm like, really? I just wanted my kids to play, but right. I became a, a soccer coach. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. anything about soccer, but I learned a lot. And so, do whatever it is you want to do yeah. within means. Yeah. Don't cross the line and hurt somebody else. There, there's a thin line right there, yep. but we can all have our own beliefs and uh, take care of your family and do the things you're supposed to do because you've got folks that have served and are in places today right now wow. to protect that. That's right. And that is precious. Uh, we're the only one. We're the only shining light. We are, we are the big dog. Yeah. And we need to stay that way uh,
0: to be a shining light to others in the, in the world we're recording this interview on election day here in Mississippi and across the nation for that matter. Um, you heard Max say it vote. It, it, it's so important. Um, by the time you hear this, we'll yeah. be past that, but yeah. there will be more um, because listen, there are certain countries in this world that don't have that ability right? to wake and up. Don't, and don't have go- a military that is all voluntary
1: that protects that freedom. That is the most important thing that any but personally, if you haven't served in the military, that's okay. You, you, you don't have to. Yeah. We and those and others have done that for you. Make a decision. Vote. Be a part of it. Run for office. Do what you have to do. Yeah. And take care of this great nation.
0: Wise words from a wise man. He is Stephen McCraney. I call him Mac. Yep. You should, too. Um, he's a good man. He's the executive director of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency. Here on the Mississippi Salute Podcast, Mac, we thank you for your service, and we thank you for thank your you, time. Thank it's been, you, It's been an honor. Yes, thank it you. has, man. It's been awesome. It's been awesome. Um, listen, if you want to connect with us, if you're a veteran, family member of a veteran, or you just know a veteran and you want to make sure they know what's available to them, visit our website, www.msva.ms.gov. There you can find everything that we offer to you: um, veteran services, our veteran service officers, cemeteries, veterans homes, anything and everything that you're already entitled to because you already earned it. Find it there on our website. You can also check us out on social media: Facebook at MS Veterans Affairs with an S on the end. Same thing for Instagram and on Twitter at MS Vet. Affairs. Find us there. We're always updating you, always making sure you have the latest, greatest information for you. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the Mississippi Salute Podcast. Once again, I am Ray Coleman, Director of Communications for the Mississippi VA. Until next time, see you.